Own Your Creativity, Episode 25. But it was a it was a simple thought process to a problem which seemed very difficult, and the solution became clear. And I think that would be another way of defining creativity. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Before we get to today's interview, I'm curious to hear from you about your relationship to creativity. What are you currently struggling with? Is it finding time for yourself? Is it not knowing where to start or how to continue? Or do you believe that you're not creative or that it's too late for you? You could let me know by sending me an email at info at ownyourcreativity.com or you can join my Facebook group, Own Your Creativity Cafe. And I've got a really easy link for you. It's bit.ly forward slash OYCFB. OYCFB. So just log into your Facebook account and then put in bit.ly forward slash OYCFB. Not only can you ask questions about creativity and workshops that I offer, but you'll be surrounded by people who are like-minded. And studies show that people who surround themselves with people who have the same goal achieve more than those who are trying to do it alone. So I look forward to seeing you in our Facebook group, Own Your Creativity Cafe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to Amar Vyas. He is a husband, co-founder of Kamakshi Media, host of My Kitab Podcast, the creator of Balgatha, a podcast of classic children's stories, and author of the Amal Dixit series of books. Phew! <laughs> <laughs> he has lived in 15 cities over the past 20 years, including two years spent at the University of Illinois at urbana Champagne as a graduate student. In 2010, he spent a year at the Indian Institute of Management, Ahmedabad, in the MBA program. These days, he lives in Bangalore, Bangaluru, India, in his spare time. He likes exploring offbeat places, learning Gujarati from his wife, and spending time with his dog, Buddy. Welcome to the show, Amar. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure being on the show. So it says here that you are, uh, you like spending time with your dog, Buddy. So tell us a little bit about Buddy. Oh, uh, that's an interesting story <laughs> in itself. So <laughs> uh, we adopted Buddy from a, a rescue shelter in, in, while we used to live in New Delhi about two years ago. And uh, he was about a two-month-old puppy at that time that a family had rescued literally from the streets because he was being chased and attacked by three other strays. And uh, they had put up this uh, ad in a Facebook group called Red Paws Rescue saying that, okay, here's a puppy available. And I had been pestering my wife, Munal, for, gosh, for nearly two years that, hey, we should get a dog. And uh, I looked at Buddy's eyes in the picture and I told her just one thing, you know, he's the smartest looking puppy that I've ever seen. Aww. And uh, we went, we, we drove three and a half hours in, in the New Delhi area on a very hot summer afternoon on a Sunday just to see where Buddy was, uh, was being temporarily hosted. And the moment we went there, first thing this guy does is sits into Murnal's lap. And next thing we knew that he was with us. Interestingly, the day we brought him home, that's the day I got a very interesting career opportunity through Amazon. And that's what brought us to Bengaluru, where we are now. Really? So in a way, he's our lucky mascot. Oh, my goodness. Tell us more about that. 
so I was, <laughs> it's interesting. I was interviewing with them for, gosh, for like months altogether and nothing had happened. So one fine day, uh, so my wife and I were going to take off on vacation to Turkey. And uh, the day before, I actually wrote to Jeff Bezos saying, are you guys even serious about hiring good people in India? And next thing I know, I come back and hell breaks loose and I have like 18 rounds of interviews with them. And then the job offer comes through. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, it is, it's quite a story. Yeah. And so what do you do in your day job? Um, no. So I'm no longer with Amazon. I left in December. Okay. I used to build their warehouses or they call them fulfillment centers. So I used to yeah. help them set these up. So I, I was their program manager here in India. Okay. So they have fulfillment facilities there in India. Oh, yeah, they have about 18, and I think they just opened about five or six last week or something like that. So, yeah, they're, they're growing. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And so you have a business background, but then you started writing. Can you tell us a little bit about how you made that leap from having a business background to writing um, children's stories and other other kinds of books? Sure. So um, I used to, when I moved back to India in 2008, I used to maintain an online diary. Uh, there is this website called Return to India. That's r2iclub.com. That's their site. And I, I wrote down everything that, that came into my mind. So, you know, I had a good day at work. I was feeling a little, uh, you know, I shouldn't call it homesick because I was home in India. But, <laughs> you know, I, I was missing Chicago. I would pen that down. I used to get frustrated because the work cultures are so different. I used to pen that down. So a lot of people said that, hey, Amar, uh, you can write well. Why don't you write a book? So this was like in 2009, 2010, the idea had been brewing. But then marriage happened two weeks after we got married. I, my wife and I actually spent the first year. Uh, I was a student and she was earning the, uh, the bread or bringing the food <laughs> home, as they say. And uh, then I took up this uh, a very interesting role in, uh, in energy consulting, something which I had never done before. And I used to do a lot of business writing there, you know, a lot of high value stuff for, you know, obviously, if you're looking at reducing your energy costs and things like that, but stuff that nobody would read. Right. <laughs> so I was actually getting frustrated that, uh, you know, I, I need to, I need a creative outlet of sorts. So my wife, again, kind of reminded me that, hey, there's that book that you've been talking about. That's how the whole book writing started. That's how my, my first novel in the series started. And uh, so that's the writing part of it. Now, fast forward to, and I'm sorry, I'm literally jumping three years ahead into the timeline. Fast forward to uh, end of 2015, when I had decided that, okay, it's time to, uh, to move on and start something on my own. Uh, I was not sure what is it that I'm going to do. And of course, I've been a podcast listener for over, over 10 years now. And I said, hey, why don't we start a podcast? And so question was, what are we going to start a podcast on? And uh, we, my wife and I thought, hey, why not do it on books? So that's how my kitab happened. And okay. it's been doing well. It's, it's carving a niche for itself. But uh, then we said, where is the impact, right? We really want to, uh, we were actually trying to move into multiple Indian languages. So uh, what's the easiest way to do that? We thought, hey, what about stories? So again, it was my wife's suggestion that why don't we start with children's stories? And that's how Balgata happened about two months ago. Okay. And so can you tell us a little bit more about your uh, fiction series, the novels? Sure. So um, the Amol Dixit series, so Amol Dixit is a principal character who may or may not resemble me in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so in the first book, that's NRI Now Returned to India, he moves back to India with the plan of staying for one year. But he continues to stay back. In the process, he loses his job uh, goes broke, gets married, and heads to business school. 
Sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> so the second book is called The Learning Curve, where Amol and his wife, they spend a year in business school. And when he's a student and she's earning the bread. Again. <laughs> Again exactly. But that's where the similarity ends. The third book is called Urban Sophisticated. So incidentally, I'm writing that as we speak. Uh, so uh, it's under Camp NaNoWriMo. So the month of April and July is when... Uh, are you are you are you you or your listeners familiar with NaNoWriMo at all? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So yeah, so it's like a mini NaNoWriMo, right? So okay. in Urban Sophisticated, Amol Dikshit actually joins uh, a, a children's uh, retail store as a merchandiser, and uh, so you know he's all forecasting and buying all the clothes and all that go horribly wrong. So children, you know, girls' clothing is sold out in the cities and boys' clothing are sold out in the smaller towns. So everyone <laughs> makes fun of him. It's like you don't know what the hell you're doing. But uh, there, there is a mystery behind it, what's happening. So there's a phenomenon called urban sophisticated. And that comes into play. And that's the reason why all his things are going wrong. Oh, interesting. Book, oh, thank you. Uh, the fourth book is called NRB. So that, that's now returned to Bharat. And I'm, I'm kind of working on the plot of that. And so in, in real life, my family comes from central part of India. So the book is based. So uh, I, I, as the name might give a, be a giveaway of sorts, uh, Amol wants to move back to the, uh, to the United States. And he, in fact, gets a very interesting job opportunity in Berlin. His wife gets, uh, uh, you know, gets to do a PhD in, in Boston. And he ends up going to this small town in the middle of nowhere called Buldana. Oh my goodness! Three three bees across three continents, and yeah. that's what the book. Oh, very cool! And when you were working on, uh, I think your first book, you mm-hmm. or when you finished it, then you had some difficulties in getting it published. Is that correct? And then you decided to self-publish, or how did that all work? Oh yeah, yeah. So it's a combination of a of a lot of interesting things. So I was uh, I got a little trigger happy. So in, in software development or even in construction and design development, there's this project uh, idea called a minimal viable product. So you come up with a basic design. So in, in publishing, in India at least, if you write your proposal and the, send the first three chapters of your manuscript, that's all they need to say a yes or no. Mm-hmm. So I'd written my first three chapters and I probably sent it across to the top 20 publishers in India. So now every publisher in India knew what I was writing in a way, if they had right. bothered to open the email, which most of them did. Yeah. And all of them rejected it. Uh, the reason being that the topic itself is not very appealing. You know, it's not romance. It's not uh, it's not a, a, a sob story. It's not a you know, it's not a, a coming of age story. It's nothing. None of those parameters fit in. So it was mm. not probably marketable for the majority of Indian readers. So we decided to self-publish it. But then understanding the, uh, the uh, you know, so the book, the way it is positioned, it may be a lot more appealing to people uh, of Indian origin who live in North America or Europe, mm-hmm. particularly the United Kingdom. Right. Indians living in, in India may not appreciate some of the things that I've written. And incidentally, that's what the feedback, the reviews say. Okay. Right. It's, it's uh, people's like, they've got extreme views on, on the book. Okay. Some really like it. Some say that, hey, it's, you, you, you know, uh, what's the point of your book, you know? So once we decided to self-publish it, then the question was, should we do it ebook only? Should we do it print only? Do we do print in India and ebook in, in the United States and, and Canada and, and the UK? So it was, it was quite an interesting journey. So incidentally, my wife and I spent about 250 hours researching how to publish the book in India. Wow. Which, by the way, uh, a typical author can probably write three or four novels in that much time. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's a lot of research. <laughs> it, is, it is actually uh, coming to think of it that, you know, it was like we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but now you you um, have a podcast that helps people understand what the process is for self-publishing. And can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So now the whole idea about my kitab, it starts with a simple question that actually I asked myself that I have a full-time career, right? I'm a professional or I'm an executive in a company or something like that. And I have written a book, you know, I, I've actually written the book. That's the stage of journey I am at. Mm-hmm. How do I get it published? Now, when we're talking about publishing a book, most of the people still think of a print book, be it a hardbound or a paperback. But then the question is, today you have multiple options. You can actually go ahead and uh, do an audio book. You can print it as uh, publish it as an ebook only. You may or need, you know may or may not go exclusive with Amazon. There are other options available. There is translations. You can actually narrate it chapter wise and release it as a podcast on iTunes or other channels, for example, right? So that's what drove me to actually go ahead and and uh, launch my kitab in the way it is that I talk to authors, publishers, translators. I talk to uh, entrepreneurs in the book publishing space. So you can, in fact, release it chapter-wise on a Wattpad or a Tableau or, and things like that as well, right? So if your objective is not to make money and on your and you're most likely never going to make money on your first book, right? Right. We just want to want to want to share your story with the world. Well, there are, like they say, many ways to skin a cat. So there are many ways to publish a book. Right. So that's the whole premise behind my kitab. And as I started talking to a lot of uh, a lot of authors, a lot of publishers, I also realized that there is a need to to talk data. In, mm-hmm. at least in the Indian market, right? If you're talking trends that, hey, romance is doing really well in North America, well, what's the absolute percentage? Like, you know, after, out of every 100 books, maybe 10 books that are sold are of romance. And for every $100 that customers spend, they probably spend $15 on romance novels, right? Okay. Nothing like that is available in India, or maybe it is, then, you know, it's, it's very uh, sort of, you know, classified information. Mm-hmm. I want to bring that information out in the open. Right. So incidentally, uh, there's there's a Facebook group just before this call, there was a discussion going on that for an international author, what they should price their book at for in India. So if it's a fiction novel, if it's a if it's a 200 page book, you should probably price it around uh, around a dollar and a half to two dollars, depending on where you are. The, the question is, you know, it's it's not a number that's coming out of thin air. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of research that's gone behind that. And I'm glad that in a small way, I've been able to help uh, a lot of authors out by giving these specific numbers. So your podcast, is it aimed primarily at people in India or can, let's say, somebody in Canada or the U.S. who wants to get print copies of their book, is it useful for them to be listening to your podcast? Absolutely. So incidentally, about half of the listenership for my Kitab podcast is from North America. Okay. A third is from India, about 10% from the United Kingdom, and the rest is from the rest of the world. And surprisingly, I'm getting some listeners from China and also Germany, which are, frankly, I had not thought of these markets when I had thought of listeners for my kitab. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting. So what's the most interesting thing that, that you've experienced so far on this podcast and publishing journey? I think, uh, oh. Most interesting thing. I think the each interview innovates unique, and I try to have a standard format. Like uh, you know, I uh, you have a format for your yes. for your show, right? Even I do have a format, but the questions I tend to actually put in quite a bit of research for each and every show, 
And I'm trying to standardize the questions now because I know it's taking a lot of time. <laughs> but uh, in the process, I learn a lot of interesting things about guests. And I actually have made it a point that, uh, that the first part, the, the sort of warm-up uh, questions to the show once we hit uh, record, I ask them, is there anything about you that I have not mentioned? Okay. And sometimes some really fantastic insights come out. So uh, there's this, uh, uh, there's this uh, person called Mark Coker. Uh, he uh, founded a company called Smashwords. Yes. Uh, that's again in the publishing space. Yeah. So he, for example, he's like his profile, Twitter profile handle reads, uh, I'm a, you know, I fight squirrels. <laughs> so I asked him, what's the story behind that, right? So he, the story came out. And then somebody else is talking about some other incident that actually drove them to do something else. So I think that's been the most interesting part because uh, what it did was brought a bit of a flavor and, and a bit of a spice. And, and it's funny I'm saying spice because I'm from India. But right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, brings, it brings a lot of spice to the, uh, to the conversation. So what's your definition of creativity? Since I'm an author, I'm actually going to, going to go back to pen and paper. So, you know, whatever is in your mind, whatever comes to your mind, put it on a, uh, you know, uh, put it using a pen and paper, put it to actually some form. Now, it can be text, it can be graphic, it can be just numbers. But, you know, just get it down there and build on it. And that's also, I, I'm again using the word build because I come from a construction background. So the, the whole idea is that start, you know, just just start. Okay, you, you got a big vision in front of you or you got a really crazy idea or, or you may not think it's a, it's a crazy idea. Everybody else might. But then just go ahead and, and first, you know, give it some shape, you know, and, and then let, let that grow. Uh, I think that's creativity for me. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I say a lot to to the people who take classes with me, they're often thinking that they have to know everything and take all the courses and before they're actually ready to put that first word down. But they already have the story in mind that, you know, that's what brought them to the class or to me or whatever. And I say, look, just get it down. It's not going to be perfect, but just get something down and then you can build on it. Then you can edit it and work on it. And, you know, but I think a lot of people are really afraid to take that, that step. Mm-hmm. Sure. I wonder why that is. I think, uh, and, and I'm guilty of that myself, okay? It has <laughs> to be perfect before you put it down. Yeah. Right? Uh, more importantly, you need to be confident enough of showing it to others before, you know, you, you're afraid probably of a feedback that may not be what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. I think that is one. Second thing is, and, and you know, I can tell you my own mindset, uh, at least till, till about four years ago or five years ago, Coming from construction, you know, things have to be done right the first time because it is very difficult to fix your mistakes. Yes. In the world of arts, creativity, in the world of software, for example, you can always fix it. And that's why softwares have these patches, right? Version yes. 1.1, version whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay. I think the moment I got out of the construction mindset, saying that, like they say, that, you know, it's, it's, it's concrete, right? It's going it's, it's gonna to be rigid and it's going to stay like that. The moment I realized that, creativity or the world outside construction is not concrete, it became a lot easier for me. It sounds so liberating when you had that realization. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. So was there ever a time in, in your life where you were disconnected from your creativity? And how did that feel for you? If you ask my wife, that's the case even now. But <laughs> I think she's not around, so we'll, we'll probably not mention that. Uh, <laughs> So there were two instances when when things were really uh, you know on, on the creativity side I was really like 
the 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 uh, as I say in, in the gas tank or the the you know uh, the fuel check fuel light was really on at that time, right? Things were so low. One was around 2012, early 2012, and uh, till about I think entire year 2012. What had happened at that time was that uh, you know. From a family point of view, a lot of things had happened in 2011, and we were still kind of licking our wounds. And uh, at the same time, my job that I had taken up, the energy consulting role that I had taken up, was not really going anywhere. So I was in the state that, should I leave? Should I stay? And and that time, my, my mother was also undergoing some health issues. And so it was like the insurance plans were, plan was very good, and you know that's what kept me going there. So in, in all this sort of, you know, it, it went into a downward spiral. But what got me out of it is more interesting. So uh, my cousin's uh, my cousin's husband uh, is a colonel in the army, and they used to live about two hours north of New Delhi, where we were at that time. He just said, pack your bags, take a leave for a week, and come and spend a week with us. Lovely. Right? And every morning, I would take a walk around the the entire uh, military uh, area, and, and, you know, it was green. It was like the, uh, the summer was just about to break out and, and things like that. That really got me out of it. The other instance happened in uh, 2013 when my, uh, my mother passed away. And um, for, for about two months, I was literally a lost puppy. Yeah, I Incidentally, can imagine. It, it, was, it was expected. Her, her, her departure was expected, but it was very sudden. So it was very difficult for me to, to accept it. And I'd also, you know, I had actually moved, uh, moved back to India to spend a year with my family. I continued to stay, and I said, it's my mission that till the day my parents are no more, I'm going to continue staying in India. And the day my mother passed away, and my father had already gone by then, I suddenly felt like a void. It's like, mission accomplished, time to go back home. Yeah. Again, where is home, right? Mm -hmm. So, but that's when I actually, again, took a, a leave for about a couple of weeks, and I went to this place, Buldhana, where our family originally comes from. Now, interestingly enough, Every time I've been in a, in a dip of sorts from a creativity point of view, something has triggered which has actually helped me think about the next book. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's my dog. Buddy. <laughs> he, he likes to participate. In, yeah. In yeah. So I hope that this doesn't become a trend, that every time I'm running out of creativity, you know, I go into this spiral and then suddenly happens. I hope that's no longer the case. But uh, yeah, it's, it's happened twice in my life so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is the best advice that you've ever received in terms of your creativity? It's come from my spiritual advisor. And what he told me was that whatever you write, make sure that it is going to impact somebody positively. Mm. And till the time, and which I think in terms of marketing also, it's, it's a very uh, important question, right? What problem you're trying to solve or why should somebody buy your book? Right. Right. So I think that has really helped me every time I write. I think if I were the reader, would I really like to write uh, you know, to, to read this? If I'm an audience for my own podcast, would I really like to spend my 35, 40 odd minutes listening to this conversation? I think that has really been very helpful. That's great. Thank you for that. Can you share one of your personal habits that contributes to your creative success? This is, again, something very recent. So three things I do, uh, get up really early, and that's about 4.30 in the morning. Again, thanks to Buddy. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, so we go uh, for a walk around the neighborhood where we live. So it's like a one-kilometer loop. So we do at least three times a week, we try and do about four rounds. And then, uh, again, I've started meditating now. So both has, have really helped. And how does 
meditating help you? So it gives me focus, right? Number one. Uh, secondly, that's the time to zone out. I even now as we speak, I probably have like fifty ideas going on in my mind. Yeah, that's the only ten or fifteen minutes in the day when I'm actually doing probably one or two things. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it is still early time. So the first thought that my, comes to my mind is, oh my god, you know, it's only one minute. I got eleven more minutes of this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the second thing is, uh, am I really enjoying what I'm doing? Mm, right. Okay. So it's great filter that you have actually eliminated whatever you know forty odd thoughts out of your mind, and you're yeah. concentrating only on one or two things. And then once I I get down to my writing. Then I know it's just me and and you know my fingers on the keyboard. That's it. Oh, that's fabulous. So that's, that's I can I can see that uh, impact coming out, and particularly in my writing speed. And and again, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I'm big on data. I actually track my my word counts and my writing speed as well. I think it's improved by at least thirty to forty percent. So I used to write about seven or eight hundred words an hour, right? I think it's closer to eleven hundred uh, words right now. Wow, that's amazing. I really like the way that you keep track of all the numbers. <laughs> I think it's a really good way of uh, keeping track of your progress and seeing, you know, if you're advancing towards your goal. I think without numbers, you you don't really have a sense of how close you are or how far you are. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Is there a person in your life, and it could be living or dead, who inspires you to be creative? Wow. Mm. I think it'll have to be my mother, right? And uh, the reason for that is she was very creative person. Okay, um, so um, let let me give an example. Okay, uh, garlic. When you peel a garlic, it actually looks like a. Um, uh, it's not a walnut. I'm sorry. Uh, what do you call that? Almond. Yeah. If you take the skin off an almond. And you take the skin off a garlic, they both look alike. Oh, yeah. Right? Once we had a family gathering, my mother actually uh, had peeled off the skin of all the almonds. And she passed a tray around the family saying, hey, this is garlic. Who would like to have it? Who would like to have it? Right? (laughs) And (laughs) of course, nobody ate it. Right. And then she comes back and and tells my aunt, well, I offered it to all of them. Nobody took them. So, you know, we can put it back in the jar in the kitchen or or something like that. And, you know, even to think within like a couple of seconds that, hey, we can actually make something, you know, a a long lasting funny incident out of something as simple as that. That was her. Wow. Right. And I think I get that from her. And I actually received this feedback, uh, particularly from my mother's side of family, that uh, I think I get a lot of that. And and I, I really owe it to her. And do you have a favorite work of art? It could be any type, a film, poem, or song, sculpture, painting, any type of art. Mm. I think it was a Valentine's Day gift, uh, a greeting card that my wife gave. So um, so we met in December and we got married in March. It was a very, very Whirlwind. short <laughs> period. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she gave me a gift, uh, that, that greeting card as a gift. And of course, me being me, I did not buy her anything, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> But we're still married. We still got married and we're still married. But yeah, that's still me. Uh, to me, that's, it's really important because for the first time, uh, I had actually received a gift on a Valentine's Day from, from anybody. And uh, of course, we got married. So yeah, it's, it's a very special work of art. Oh, and, that's lovely. Uh, yeah, she, she'd actually written a beautiful note to go with it. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's something very personal too. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Do you have a favorite quote that inspires you? 
Mm. Okay, on a lighter note, I used to have one. So it's a, it's a lawyer's motto, uh, which says that um, where there is a will, there is money. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to explain that one. <laughs> So it's a play on words on that, right? Where yeah, there's a will, there's a right? So yeah, so yeah, I, I used to I used to live by that, and I used to actually quote that in in more often than not in the wrong set of uh, you know wrong setting, right? Uh, nowadays I realize that it's still valid, right? Because uh, it it obviously tells you about mindset and following your passion too. Following passion, yeah, 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 very cool. So is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, yes and no. Okay. Sense, <laughs> I, I don't want to be sound, uh, I don't want to sound self-promoting, right? When I'm going to quote the example of Balgata or most recent uh, venture that I would say, or adventure rather, okay? It started as a simple concept, right? That parents, uh, you know, children want their parents to narrate them a story every night. Parents find it difficult to find a new story every time. Or to narrate the, the child's favorite story exactly the way they had narrated in the past, right? Right, yeah. So we came up with this idea that why don't we actually start a, a, a series of children's stories, but we'll target it towards the parents. Okay. Right. So on your way back uh, from, from your work, you can quickly listen to it. And we kept a five-minute limit, right? Uh-huh. And that, that was how Balgata actually started. And, and we said, what about content? Well, uh, India, uh, so there's a story, uh, the series called Panchatantra. So Aesop's Fables, I think Wikipedia says about 250 different cultures around the world have adopted stories from Panchatantra. Oh my goodness. Yeah, even I did not know that before we, we started doing the research. Wow. So I said, well, we have the literally the, the nursery of, of, well, nursery rhymes or children's stories <laughs> in India. Why don't we build on that? So we started with public domain content. Then came the problem of distribution. So majority, and, and we wanted to focus on Indian languages as well. Uh, try explaining everybody, download iTunes if you're an, you know, uh, or download this podcast player if you're an Android or if you're on Windows or BlackBerry phone, how do you do that? We said, how do we eliminate all this tech support, right? Again, goes back to the same idea that if we try to think from the from the listeners or the customer's point of view, how can you start solving the problem? Mm-hmm. And the solution lay right in front of us, and it was WhatsApp. Oh. He said, what if I send you the link to the story through WhatsApp, right? Now, language does not matter. All you have to do is click on the link, and the file starts playing. And it, reads, and it, it uh, is translated into that, link, that other language. Yes. We actually, no, it's not translated. So we actually, the audio is still recorded in two languages. Okay. Right? We're adding a third language, but then we, we actually figured out the distribution. Oh. By trying to solve the problem, we actually realized that, hey, this can actually probably work even two years down the line if you were to, uh, to, to work with somebody in, uh, let's say, in Africa, where exactly the same problem occurs, right? Multiple languages and trying to explain to people and, and things like that. Yeah. It's a simple solution to a very difficult problem. I, I think we have, we have overcomplicated law or like engineers have overcomplicated the distribution problem. That happened. And then the other day I was listening about this thing called Amazon Echo, right? And I said that, hey, what if a five-year-old or a three-year-old child could say that, uh, you know, talk to the Echo machine and say, Alexa, tell me a story. And, ah. you know, well, the story starts coming up. Now you actually, I would not, I don't want to say we have eliminated parents, but we have actually <laughs> solved that problem of the parents, right? <laughs> the problem of parents, right. <laughs> so, so where, so, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. 
Sorry. So that's what we are working on. And, and you know, it's, it's very interesting that once you start trying to solve one problem, you face another one, then you try to solve that one. And all of a sudden, everything becomes so simple. And it's like, you know, when I, when I step back and, and I think that, uh, hey, if it was so simple, why didn't anybody else think of it, right? I think that's, that would be my, that's what I would like to share, that what I'm saying is nothing great, right? It's, it's nothing earth shattering. But it was, a, it was a simple thought process to a problem which seemed very difficult, and the solution became clear. And I think that would be another way of defining creativity. Yeah, that's great. So where can people find you online? Um, as Amar Author, I think that's the best way to reach me on Twitter. I'm at Amar Author. Mm -hmm. uh, if you would uh, like to know more about the different podcasts and, and also my writing, I think the main site to go to uh, would be, uh, uh, it's kamakshimedia.in. Okay. And uh, the Bal Gatha podcast, the children's stories podcast is at gatha.co. And, and, and I'm sure in the show notes, you may have those links. Yeah. But uh, I think email is the best way to reach me. All right. Uh, Philip, can I say I'm a bit old-fashioned from that point of view? <laughs> I think I'm, you know, uh, it's it's amar at amarvyas.in. And I, I read all my emails and I typically respond to all of them within 24 hours. All right. That's great. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show all the way from India. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was a, it was a very fun-filled, insightful conversation for me as well. If you'd like to continue the conversation about creativity, then join me in my Facebook group, Own Your Creativity Cafe. An easy way to get there is just to follow the link bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B. bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B. Or just log into your Facebook account and just search for Own Your Creativity Cafe. And I'll see you on the other side. 